Hello, welcome everyone to FMC. It is me, Jeremy, and SP3. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm up on a Friday morning. We're here to make fun of my Lakers as per <laughs> usual in this time slot. And we are here to talk about anything but wrestling. It's a great day. <laughs> Non-wrestling talk here on FMC. Friday morning coffee. Fuck Mac Cardona. Whatever you wanted to stand for uh, in, in your world of acronyms. Let's start. Let's just start there, SP3. Let's get into it. Your Lakers are trash still. They lost to the Blazers. <laughs> they like, lost to the Blazers. What? You, you, you can't even blame Russ. Russ didn't play. Everyone's like, oh, they're better without Russ. It, it's fine. Like they're, They'll be fine without him. They still got LeBron and Davis. Russ ruins their offense. He ruins their flow because they, they went to the overtime game with the Knicks and Russ got benched in overtime and they won. It's like, see, Russ is the problem. Russ is the problem. And then they played the Blazers, a team that is actively trying to tank, and they lost. Like, they literally had D-League players beating us with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court. Like, that was the most – like, I thought – like, I've talked about here that the losses against the Thunder hurt me the most, but – this is the most depressing losses of the, the the most depressing loss of the year because it was a close game as well. And even with down three with like four seconds to go, when you looked at LeBron on the bench, he looked so defeated. And I've never wow. seen that. I've never seen LeBron with seconds to go in a close game just look so out of it. So it's not looking good. I'm glad all the heat on the All-Star draft was on KD and not on <laughs> LeBron, and they didn't question LeBron too much because he had KD right next to him. So I'm happy about that. But, yeah, it's not looking good at all. And I'm so happy. Like, All-Star break couldn't come at a better time for this team. Like, at least we can have, like, this – we could say, okay, this is the first half of the season. Whatever happens in the second half, it is what it is. We can get in the play-in or we can get into that sixth spot. There's still chances of that if we could somehow put this together. But we made no trades. I didn't expect us to make any trades. Anybody that thought we were going to trade Westbrook, it was literally impossible. Like, <laughs> and So I think the buyout market maybe we could get somebody up I'm, I'm always hopeful in my lakers but literally i am i am taking a poll on the show what is a who has a worse history with super teams the lakers or the nets oh oh both of them not good i feel like the lakers are a little bit worse but the nets and we'll get to them that that situation didn't end too well either. Uh, we got some super chats, guys. Send in your super chats, get your question, comment, statement right on air. Um, we, we we always banter and interact with the chat, but we do like money here, especially me. I got kids. sp 3s got kids. I'll throw them some some money as well. We got kids to support, man. I, I've I've said on on camera with Jeremy before. Cody has one biracial baby. I have <laughs> two, so we are trying to save racism. So every dollar counts. <laughs> uh tad says this is this for sp3 as a fellow lakers fan i feel your pain best we can know for is russ off the bench convince him to go for six man of the season there is a there is a famous uh at least famous in thunder circles it's probably not famous in these circles russ played defense um for like half a season one year it was the the Set, it was the first like Paul George Russ season, the the second Paul George season in OKC because the first had Carmelo Anthony, but the first without without Melo. And there's this famous interaction between them where Paul George is like, "Well, how come you've never been 
first team all defense. And Russ is just like, I, I don't know. And then Paul George is like, you well, you should go for it. And I don't remember what Russ said, but Paul George said, why not? And like, you know, that's Russ's slogan and everything. So like the first half of this season, Russ is super locked in defensively. I've never seen him play defense the way he was playing defense the first half of that season. And then it all blew up, of course, but he was so locked in the first half. And that was, according to everybody in the Thunder organization and Paul George himself, like that was the reason why Russ was so locked in on defense because George just said, why not? So LeBron should go to Russ and be like, how come you never won six man of the year? <laughs> why not? Why not go for six man of the year? He's in Westbrook is very much that Kobe mentality of if you say I can't do it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna try to do it at least. Well, he should somebody should say, How come you don't shoot better from three? And maybe that'll that'll change get him to, to shoot a little bit better. That we're we're gonna talk about that here some more. But Valba says, uh someone made a GoFundMe to get Russ to opt out of extension. Lakers fans are desperate. Oh man. So they didn't make any moves. I didn't expect any moves because I don't think anybody was really wanted Taylor Horton Tucker and uh, a first round pick five years in advance. I mean, maybe, I don't know how good the Lakers going to be in five years, but I Taylor Horton Tucker, unfortunately they they're trying to sell very low on him and nobody was looking to, to buy very low on him. There was reportedly, according to, to Chris Haynes of Yahoo, a Russ for John Wall swap on the table um the the language in that was kind of weird because the tweet made it sound like uh houston was throwing in a first round pick to get the deal uh done and then the article made it sound like the lakers wouldn't throw in their first round pick to get the deal done so i'm not sure who was including the first round pick there regardless it sounds like it was on the table the lakers turned it down I can't say I blame them on that. I know people want to point to, to Russ and he's the issue and everything. John Wall's not played all season. He was not good last season. If you look at the, his numbers last season compared to Russ's numbers this season, they're very similar. Like, I don't think John Wall is this upgrade that people want to perceive him to be. It, it's more about like, oh, just get Russ off the team. Things will be better. But I don't think John Wall is that upgrade that people people think he is. I didn't expect them to make any big moves unless they could just ship off uh, THT. Now they're going to be in the buyout market. We'll see who becomes available. Drogic is going to be a name that is linked. Uh, I mean, he's helpful because they, they signed Kendrick Nunn and he hasn't played for them all season. So you can get that score off the bench. So he'd be helpful for them. Otherwise, you know, we'll see who's in that market. Those guys typically... They ain't a lot of help. There are a lot of aging veteran guys, and like, I don't think the Lakers need some aging veterans on this roster. SP3. <laughs> we we got enough of those. We 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 reached our max capacity of aging veterans. So you know, I'm just hopeful we can get someone that is helpful. I'm not I'm not looking for a difference maker. I'm not looking for anyone who's gonna win an award. I'm just looking for a shooter. Like I was liking the um the Cam Reddish uh trade that we would have gave up. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I was liking that because I feel like Cam Reddish is a shooter. He's pretty good on defense and he's young, so you can mold him into whatever he needs to do. But he shows a lot of the skills that we need on the court right now. Um, honestly, the best pickup that we had in the offseason uh, is Malik Monk. Malik Monk has been the most consistent guy overall on our team because he hasn't had the injuries of LeBron and AD. It's kind of surprising to me, and I've been seeing it over the last couple of games. But 
we just got to leave this first half of the season behind us, leave it in the rear view. We're still in about, I think, ninth place right now, ninth, tenth place. So we're still in that play-in uh, circle, and we're like three and a half, four games out of sixth place. So it's not, it's not impossible for us to get in the playoffs and get out of the play-in. But this has not been, this has been the worst first half of the season that I have seen in my Laker lifetime. I, I love the Malik Monk pickup when, when they made that in the offseason because he is a shooter. And you have Westbrook, you have LeBron, you just surround these guys with shooters. Unfortunately, they didn't surround them with enough shooters and they're pairing them together and they didn't surround them with anybody who's playing defense. I mean, the Lakers, Lakers fans, bless y'all. You're talking yourselves into Stanley Johnson right now. And I realize he's been good, but like this man wasn't in the league two months ago. And I, I've always thought pretty highly of Stanley Johnson, but there's a reason like he kind of kind of flamed out. And look, again, bless him. He's good. He's made an impact. He's done what he's needed to do. If Stan, if you're counting on Stanley Johnson to save your season, you got this is like when uh the the famous the the mellow thunder season, they were playing great. There's this, this again, famous in Thunder Circles, eight game win streak that they were on. And then Andre Robertson blows out his, his knee going up for an alley oop, and it changed the course of that entire entire season. And they signed Corey Brewer to replace Andre Robertson. And Brewer has like one or two good games. And us Thunder fans are like, Corey Brewer, this is it. This is the savior. Uh, my, my friend Samer and I talked, like we called him the savior, Corey Brewer, because it's, he's just like this veteran guy who hustles on defense and just like kind of gives you a little something on offense. But things were so bleak after the Robertson injury that you're just, you're talking yourself into anybody who comes in and is better than what you had. And so Stanley Johnson is for you guys what Corey Brewer was to us in the mellow season. And let me tell you how that season ended. Uh, it was a, a six-game loss to the Jazz in the first yes. round. So <laughs> I, re- I remember very well all those uh, under losses with, with Westbrook at the number one spot and with PG. It's just a, yeah, he they, always they, they were not they're, they're not fun to to reminisce on. Uh, look, man, I'm I'm always gonna pull for Russ. I hope they somehow turn around. It seems very contentious there right now i maybe them you know the report of them declining that trade makes russ feel like wanted and stuff but like frank vogel is over here like we got to play the guys who are going to help us win you know hopefully what benching westbrook makes him play better like man that seems like that that's an issue like that seems like an issue between those two lebron and david like davis hasn't played well lebron's been great but he's gonna do what he does on defense and that's not give you too much the defense is a mess i i don't know like what are you hoping like what's best case scenario for you as a lakers fan going into the playoffs like a a a play-in victory is that best case scenario honestly i feel like if we are able to get some wins together and get into the play-in tournament we're going to lose in the first round. We're not going to win. We're not going to win over like two games in the first round against the Suns or the Warriors or the Jazz, honestly. So, I mean, the best thing is for us to get into that sixth place. We have, like I said, it's not impossible. Right now, it's impossible because our yeah. team is just a complete mess. We have people arguing. It's all bad overall, but I am hopeful that this all star break is like, 
some magic happens. LeBron and LeBron, you know, gets a fountain of youth and AD can be more consistent because I think AD is not playing the worst. He's just not consistent. He's doing, he's yeah. been very inconsistent from game to game. Sometimes he'll give us 28 and 14 and then the next game it's like 16 and 7 and it's like, no, we need 28 and 14. Like a couple of games in a row, bro. Like get it together. You're you're supposed to be the number 2 here. You were the NBA Finals MVP to me the championship season. So, I don't know what happened between then and now. But these injuries and I think just overall the team being bad, this is not what AD signed up for. This is what he left in New Orleans. So I think that it's it's a mental thing more than anything. So that's what I'm really – I think that AD playing more consistent, we can get some games in a row because you have LeBron and AD. Like even if the whole team is a mess, even if Russ is not getting along with Frank Vogel, if AD is AD more consistently, we know LeBron's going to be LeBron. So we can win some games with just those two. There there was a, somebody tweeted that like LeBron, Wade, and, and Bosch had a very similar record to uh, LeBron, AD, and Russ. And LeBron, Love, and Kyrie had a very similar record to LeBron, AD, and Russ. It, it was something like 11 and 14. Because like both of those teams, when they when they started off together, started off very slow. That was the that was the yeah. big thing with the 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 Heatles is like, oh man, they're they're starting very slow together. And it's like, yeah, but that uh, let's let's say for I should probably look this up, but who cares? Uh let's say for argument's sake, it was like 11 and 14. It's like, but those were the first 20 games of the season. You know, we're we're 50 games into the season and they've only played less than half of those together. Like that is the a big issue with the Lakers is the these three have not played much together. And so when you do not have the, you know, when you don't have the play, Leland says like takes time to build chemistry. It's like, yeah, it does. The thing is you've got to keep playing with each other to build that chemistry. Like if you, you just have guys going in and out and everything, it, it ain't working. Like it just, it doesn't work too well. And that's the issue with the Lakers for me is like, I do think maybe it could work. There are big fit issues. They've been fit issues since the off season, since all this came together, but maybe it could work if these guys could get on the court together. Yeah. We are halfway through this season over halfway. And these guys have not been on the court together that much. And there's no reason to think like, oh, they will actually get on the court together and play because LeBron is more banged up than he's ever been. Davis is, is Davis. He's just going to – that's just what he's going to be. Russ, typically not too injured, plays through stuff, but now he's dealing with back tightness. You just don't know when these three are going to, like, actually be on the court together. And, that like, that's an issue is you, you've got to be on the court to build that chemistry. It, that's just what it is. Yeah, Leland says it's why Brooklyn's going to have issues with with Kyrie because yeah. he's going to always be in and out. Yeah, like these guys just they're not going to be on the court together enough. I do think that maybe they could have built chemistry. They could have built chemistry by this point. And there is an argument if like okay, if they've played all fifty of these games and this is their record, clearly it's, something ain't working. They haven't played enough together. There's no reason to think they're going to play enough together, and that's a big issue with the Lakers for me. Yeah, and it's it's been an issue across the board. Like, whenever you don't get consistent time on the court, 
Like, it's not going to work out, even if you have a championship team. And we have the best example of that right in the same building as the Lakers is the Clippers. (laughs) Like, because Kawhi and Paul George always had that low management schedule, they were never able to get on the same page. And then when you had the pandemic and you're off for months, they have never been the same. Like, if you watch some of those games before the pandemic with the Clippers when they were on the court together, they were building chemistry. And then the pandemic happened. They came back. We know what happened in the bubble. Like, you know, last year, Kawhi gets injured. This year, he's been out. Like, Paul George is out. And even still, the, you know, the Clippers have been able to put it together they because compete. that team has been able to get consistent time together. Like, even our beat-up team when LeBron and AD is out, even that wasn't able to have the same lineup consistently. So, yeah, you're def- you're 100% right. It has to have time on the court together to put it together. You, all the teams you mentioned, the Miami Heat with the big three and the Cavs with Kyrie and LeBron, you know, Starting off, it did not it did not work chemistry rise. That was kind of the thing with the LeBron super teams, and we are seeing the latest example of that. Yeah, and I feel I feel I don't feel bad. I actually think it's very funny. It um, is. But, it is sorry, sorry, SC three. <laughs> but like, yeah, th- those examples they they didn't play well early, but they were playing together early. And they did have that time to build the chemistry. Everybody's been so in and out of the lineup with this. They just haven't had that time. And there's no reason to think they're going to have that time. And that's like, that's an issue with the league and the rest of the team. Look, man, again, it's just, it's not a good team. It's just not, they, they constructed it poorly. They just got all these old guys. LeBron just got all his friends in there. Bless them. But like, they're, they're just not that great of a team. And at this point, I think Vogel's kind of lost the team. He certainly lost for us. I don't know what, how LeBron feels about that feels about him. I know I won a championship. Th- those comments after the Bucks game where he's like, yeah, I don't think we can get to their level right now. Like, at least he's honest. I guess. Yeah. At least he's honest. He, he's being honest with himself at this point. Like, he, yeah. he – and you saw who he picked first in the All-Star draft. So, he knows how good Giannis is, period. And then when you had that team around there that has had consistent time together over years, they are just – they're a well-oiled machine compared to the – Lakers mess. I mean, I can't even call it a machine. It's like it has the parts, but they're all in the wrong place. Um, but and and <laughs> some of the parts are old and used up. Like, like that's the Lakers right now. Like it's just it's a mess, and we need this first half to end and somehow maybe get somebody on the buyout and pray to God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, good luck with Goran Dragic. I mean, <laughs> come on, SP3. I love that Lakers fans are tight. Goran Dragic is coming in. He hasn't played like well all season. He didn't even want to play for the Raptors. The Raptors have like a winning culture. Like, yeah. like they're they're very good. That's another team. They're young, but they just go out there and they compete. And Nick Nurse is a great coach. Like they he couldn't even fit with like the Raptors, didn't want to be there. It's like, yeah, Dragic is really gonna turn this season around I, for I us. don't I don't understand Lakers fans who say any veteran is a good pickup. <laughs> like the only you need to get older. Come on, the championship DNA. You got to get these old guys that are in there. Hey, we we great for the team. They don't have enough of those guys. We got the oldest team. We got no draft picks basically the next couple of years. Like this is all bad. Like I feel like <laughs> we have we have already time traveled back to where we were in like 2016. Like. 
it's not looking good for the Lakers this year or in the future. Let's discuss uh, the James Harden for Ben Simmons trade. And it was a little bit more than that. So the Sixers get James Harden. The Nets get Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and a couple of first-round picks. I did not think this deal was was going to happen at all. Like, I, I did not think this deal was going to happen because we hear a lot of these rumors uh, around, around the trade deadline. And for the most part, like, there are still some big trades at the deadline. But when for the most part, when it comes to these trades, they just don't happen at the deadline like they happen in the offseason or maybe they happen like early in in the season when they first kind of pop up but i mean, ben simmons has been rumored to be traded pretty much since the game seven of the playoffs last year when doc and, and Embiid pretty threw him under the bus um and james harden i know the the disgruntlement was very recent stuff but i just didn't think it was going to happen i thought they were just going to find a way to figure it out everybody would just kind of James Harden would swallow his pride a little bit with the Kyrie stuff. Maybe Kyrie would be less of a uh, a weirdo when it comes to his seance and and you know magic spray and everything. And uh, and he's never going to get the shot. That's just that's is what it is. But regardless, I didn't think the deal was going to happen. It happened. Like it happened. I was very surprised. I love it for both teams. I, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. But on the surface, like, were you shocked that this happened? SP three. No, because I heard, you know, like I said, on... Our oh, you got episode. your sources. Yeah. You got, you got your sources. <laughs> on the first episode of FMC, <laughs> I have sources. So I did talk to my nephew and he was like, it's not looking good. And <laughs> um, he said it really, it, he was like, everyone knows Kyrie is Kyrie, but it was really an issue of KD and Harden. Like it wasn't working out and we kind of saw a little of that on the all-star drive when <laughs> like katie is just tremendous <laughs> it was that was the greatest all-star draft of all time <laughs> that that's the best thing they've ever done is that all-star draft where when because it's it's lebron and usually whoever else Giannis or durant and lebron is like he's very plugged in to this kind of stuff and uh, really all these nba guys are like they're all on twitter they're just all on nba twitter and stuff so they're all plugged in and they are not afraid to just like poke and needle each other that was so good when lebron just had had harden sitting there and was like or and you know and durant's like ah, i'm gonna take go bear and everything and of course last year they're like nobody wants these guys from utah it's like donovan and, and gobert last and everything and this, this year barkley was so good he's like he's he's healthy now he got traded he'll play now he was like he put some big gay on there like, yo he had because he did he set it up perfect where the last like two or three picks people you, you were already laughing at the whole thing because he was like he was just started laughing when katie made like a sick pick and he's like and everybody's asking him he's like what you laughing about and then Kenny gets it and he starts laughing. It was like, I'm not gonna say it. But he was like, okay, I'll say it. He was like, stay your ass over there. He was like, you don't want to play with me? You're gonna stay, stay on the board. Oh man, that was perfect. And then he and then um Charles telling LeBron, pick because he has to choose between Gobert and and Harden. That was that was perfect. And then KD, all serious, saying, "Oh yeah, I need some size. I need some." <laughs> He's like, "They got LeBron and Giannis. You know, we gotta have some rim protection. Rim protection in the All Star game. Okay." <laughs> <laughs> and it's oh man i love lebron he had the clipboard like he 
he was he was he was, he was ready for it. He was gonna hide himself. Credit to Durant, like he was he was straight faced the entire time. But when when LeBron is like, I don't know if he's healthy, he's hamstring tightness, and then when Barkley's like, oh, we got traded, he's healthy now. That's what finally broke Durant. Durant's like, ah, oh, shit, like, I gotta. He I had did to crack. his best. He did yeah. his best. He tried his best, and he was stone faced the entire time until they said that. He was just like, y'all wild. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was that was tremendous. That was great stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the the trade overall is just it, it's a good look for both teams, honestly, because the Nets got a lot out of that. Because even if you feel like Ben Simmons is not a good fit, I mean, basically floor spacing wise, he is because he's an interior guy, and you got two of the best jump shooters, you know, on away games uh, with Kyrie <laughs> and and KD. But even when with when Kyrie's gone and during the home games, you got KD out there. You got a bunch of shooters on the nets. I think they can put it together and start to get some, maybe some chemistry in the second half of the season. But I think the, if I had to pick a winner, I would say the Sixers because they just got a guy that's averaging 22, 10 and eight. Like if he's, if he gets healthy, he's, I think him and Embiid, that's tremendous floor spacing. I think that the Sixers right and Sixers right now haven't been too consistent or they've been like defensively not that not that good, although Embiid is still killing it. But I think that with Harden, it's gonna improve them offensively more than anything, of course. And if Embiid can can get some get a little bit um healthier himself because he's banged up right now, I think that defensively they can get it together and maybe get in the top four, but I mean, still going to probably be a second round or conference ex- conference final exit for them. I on paper, I love this trade for both teams because I think like the Nets had enough offense. Like yeah. they didn't need James Harden when they got James Harden. They already had Kyrie and Durant. You have those two, your offense is, is pretty much going to be fine. Having James Harden was almost like a luxury. And when when they're all on the floor together, like it worked. I don't remember the record, but it was very good. It was like 11 and 3, 13 and 3 or something. Like it was very good when they were all together. Clearly, the the Kyrie stuff irked James Harden a lot, way more than I think most people knew until the, this last month. And Harden had had given up. He was like, Yeah, where I'm just I'm just done with this. And look, he's forced his way out of two teams now. Ain't the best look for James Harden to, to force his way out of these two teams. But I love Ben Simmons in in Brooklyn, uh, Yankee Power says that Yankee Power is our, our residence Nets fan here. He says Ben Simmons can play the Draymond role, and I, I 100% agree with that. You just use him defensively. You use him as a passer, a guy who can push the ball on the break. And we know the Nets like to have like a free-flowing kind of offense. Like When yeah. they were playing that style, when they had all three, that that's what was so scary with them. Hashtag scary hours. Uh, like That's what was so scary with them is like, People thought, oh, it's just going to be like a lot of isolation stuff. No, there was like ball movement and everything. And apparently James Harden wasn't happy with that. He wanted more of an isolation role. He didn't want to be in this free-flowing stuff. Uh, but like if you can utilize Ben Simmons in that way, that's very scary if every if everybody's healthy. And obviously he's going to help their defense. They have Seth Curry as well. He's going to help their shooting. You can put out a lineup of – and I know Yankee Power know the roster better than I do – um, but you can put out a lineup of, of Simmons as a small ball five, Durant, Curry, Kyrie. I know Joe Harris is, is hurt right now, uh, but if they if they can get him healthy, then the, you just put those guys out there. A lot of free flowing. You can get a lot of shots. Like Ben Simmons can create yeah. 
for all those guys. The the paint is not going to be packed at all. Like Simmons, I still think is a good scorer. Uh, he's not going to be a jump shooter, but he can still score around the basket if he can find his confidence. I imagine with Durant, at least with Durant, he can find his confidence. Kyrie, I I don't know with him. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do to that man's confidence. <laughs> the the drawback with the with the Nets side, and then I'll talk about the the Sixers side and Harden. The drawback is Ben Simmons has not played since game seven. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I, I imagine he's been working out and stuff, but I don't know where he's at physically. And I don't know where he's at mentally because he did lose so much confidence in Philadelphia. He took time off for, for mental health reasons. I'm not going to pretend I know about this man's mental health. I hope I would imagine that the work situation had a lot to do with that and now that he's found a better work situation his mental health will improve i mean we we see that that that's life right like you're in a shitty situation you find yourself in a better environment with more encouraging people you your your mental health gets better so i wish the best for for ben simmons in in that regard um i but the, the thing with simmons is he hasn't played for a while i don't know where his confidence is i don't know where the fit is with Kyrie. i don't know where Kyrie just is in general, Seth Curry is not going to help their defense. Uh, Kyrie and Seth Curry on the floor together is going to put a lot of strain on like Durant and Simmons to to cover the back end because those guys ain't, ain't defending too much. That that's my biggest issue when it comes to the Nets fit with Simmons is where is Ben Simmons physically? Where is he mentally? What role kind of are they going to utilize him in? I think Steve Nash is a very good coach. I think he will be able to figure it out because he, he spent time around those Warriors. Like, I think he is going to play that Draymond role. And if everything aligns to where he's good, he accepts that role, and Durant and Kyrie are able to buy in with everything as well, then I, I think it is going to be a very good fit for Ben Simmons. Uh, what are your thoughts on just the, the Ben Simmons fit and possible, you know, what could go wrong with the Nets and Simmons? I think it's, yeah, it's going to be like a physical thing because he's been out so long. And most of all, it's going to be a mental thing. And I think the playoffs is really where we're going to see that is where he's at in the playoffs when he's as far as decision making, because, you know, he's going to be good defensively. You know, he can handle the ball. You know, he can distribute the ball. He's going to do he, I think he's going to be able to do those things, especially on the team. And you've already highlighted all the, the parts that they have, and they have a whole bunch of shooters around him. So especially small ball wise, that lineup would be crazy. I just don't know where they're going to be at in the playoffs with him. So my question for you is where do you think they can, how far they can make it in the Eastern conference? I Kyrie only playing road games is obviously very hurtful. I mean, I made the joke our first episode of like, they should just tank and get the five seed. And that way they're, they got to play on the road all of these times. And like, they took that very literal. Like they, they're like, oh, fuck the five seed. We'll just go and we'll get the play-in. Like, we'll, we'll really play every game on the road. We'll even play the play-in game on the road. Um, like, Kyrie only playing road games is going to mess up chemistry, and it is going to mess up just how they play from, from game to game. And that is going to be an issue. I still have Milwaukee as, as a favorite over them in the East. Miami even like I'm leaning very heavily towards Miami. I've been in it on them from the starts. I, I think they're they've continued to come together all season. I'm still a big believer in them. Chicago, I understand the pieces are there. I understand they've been playing well all season. I'm not totally sold on them, 
in the playoffs, largely because I've seen Billy Donovan in the playoffs. I know his issues when it comes to that. I've seen DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs. I know his issues when it comes to that as well. I do like their team overall, but uh, you give me a choice of, of Kevin Durant over De- DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. I'm taking, I'm taking Kevin Durant. Uh, so I think the Nets are third. I would, I, I mean, fuck Kevin Durant, but that man is a very good basketball player when, when he's healthy. A, a, an excellent, excellent basketball player. When he's, he was a, he was my front runner for the MVP before yeah. he got hurt. So I, I put them third, like very close with Miami. I, I'm not doubting the defending champs. Like I just, I until somebody beats Milwaukee, I'm always gonna lean towards the defending champs, especially when they have their their core still together. But I do put them third because I do really like the the uh, the the Ben Simmons fit, assuming everything works out for them. So I think they're third. I think they could be conference finals. Now, will they get to third by the end of the season? I don't know that because Durant's still going to miss more time. But yeah. I, if you're just like power ranking, assuming everybody's healthy, assuming the playing field is even, and for Kyrie, the playing field, I love Barkley's joke, half man, half a season. Um, uh, assuming like everything's healthy on that regard, I do put them third. How about you? And Barkley was the one that called Vince that. So it's funny. Yeah. He's coming out with that like it's something new. Like, no, you you recycling jokes. Um, yeah, no, but I agree with you. Yeah, I would say they're, they're third. I do got the Bucks. The Bucks. Honestly, my, my finals pick has completely changed because my finals pick at the beginning of the season was Lakers and Nets. That ain't happening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but now I can see it being Bucks and Warriors in the yeah. in the finals. That's like my finals pick as of today. But I would say Bucks, Miami, the Nets, because of yeah, like you said, KD, if he's healthy, especially in the playoffs, he's gonna be a threat. And I think the the parts that they have around him, especially with Ben Simmons defensively, if he's there mentally. I think they're going to be so much better on that side of the ball. Um, and then I got the Sixers. I got the Sixers fourth before before the Bulls because I feel like in the playoffs, I believe more in the combination of Embiid and Harden more than I do the the Bulls. Honestly, that's just me. That's just I mean, me. look, I'm not I'm not going to say you're wrong about that because you look at. Like Joe Embiid, he's he's a monster. He's been great this season. James Harden, we know what he can bring. I also know the drawbacks of James Harden in the playoffs, and I really know the drawbacks of Doc Rivers in the playoffs. That's, James that's, Harden. That's why I was hesitant to say that. <laughs> it's because of Doc more than James Harden. Because yeah, he needs a he needs a coach that can hold himself in the playoffs and that can direct him where he needs to go and he, how he needs to play. And I just don't have that belief in Doc Rivers anymore. A James Harden, Doc Rivers combination in the playoffs sounds like a very big recipe for disaster. It, it just does. And, and so for, for the Sixers side of this trade, I think James Harden and, and, and Embiid is a great pair. Embiid has always needed like a ball handler who can like set him up on like more of the pick and rolls, who is a threat. To, to shoot off of that. Cause I know Embiid doesn't always want to like set screens and run pick and rolls and stuff. I think a uh, part of that was because Simmons was his pick and roll partner and Simmons was just, you kind of knew what you were going to get with him. He was going to go, he was never going to, he was never a threat to, to be a shooter and the, the paint, the, the spacing with those two, it, it was just, 
it was a bad combination. I understand they want to try to make it work. Maybe they could have done more to try to make it work. But just you look at their skill sets, it was a bad combination. A guy like James Harden, who can obviously create his own shot, obviously a great passer, um, and who has now a pick-and-roll partner in Embiid, and as a post-up partner to where James Harden doesn't have to be as ball-dominant as he's always been. We saw him with, with Chris Paul. That was the best team James Harden has ever been on. Is yeah. the the Chris Paul team, and because they could kind of split the duties on on what they were doing with the ball, this is a similar situation. Obviously, Chris Paul as guard was going to isolate. It did a lot of isolation in those years. Uh, James and Joel Embiid's going to he's going to isolate just in a different way in the post. But Embiid has been a monster this year. And if Harden, like if we, I've seen a lot of clips of Embiid essentially he posts up the double comes, he passes out of the double. If you're going to throw that double with James Harden on that side and he can get James Harden a wide open three, it's a very good, you know, that's a great shot. And it's a very good combination right there, those two, if you put them on the same side of the floor. The drawback, I think, for the Nets or my concerns with the Nets, one, James Harden just, I I assume that hamstring is probably more healthier than it was at the end of the Nets season there. Uh but the drawback is how ball dominant does James Harden want to be in yeah. in Philadelphia? Because Embiid still needs his touches. The, the, a lot of the offense still needs to run through Embiid. And if Harden wants to be like, oh, my usage rate's got to be 60%, 65%, then that becomes an issue between those two. Because both guys got to sacrifice here. Embiid, now he is playing with a ball dominant point guard who can create and get his own shots and everything. He's going to have to sacrifice touches. Harden is now playing with a guy who needs a, is a ball dominant in the post. He's going to have to sacrifice some touches. Defensively, obviously, James Harden ain't going to help your defense too yeah. much. Uh, so that's going to put some strain on Embiid as well. Harden and Doc and playoffs, I don't know what's going to happen with those two. On paper, again, great fit. How is it going to work in the locker room, the egos? I Because, look, man, James Harden, he's forced his way out of two teams now. He he is used to being the guy, and I understand Brooklyn, he wasn't the guy, but that was the issue, is he felt he should have been, or he felt he should have had more isolation touches, and it didn't happen. So I think there could be some fit issues if both guys aren't willing to, to put ego aside a little bit. I think Embiid will a little bit more. Harden at this point, some guys are just set in their ways. Like that, I talk about it many times with Westbrook. Some guys are just set in their ways and they ain't going to change. And James Harden has kind of reached that point with me. I think you might be right, uh, unfortunately. I think this team is more like, to me, um, West. I mean, uh, Harden's Houston Rockets team with Dwight Howard. And that was the first time he really was that kind of ball-dominant guy because he had just came over from the Thunder and he had his best season that way. And I think if he goes back to that type of James Harden who can work on the pick and roll, who can give to your big man in the post, and when your big man gets double, get open and hit those threes, I think that he can get into the flow and it's going to be a perfect, a perfect combination on offense. Defensively, he just has to try. Just try, just try, in, especially in the playoffs. I think that's when it's going to come down to because it's really, uh, it's not like a back and forth game. It's really like possession by possession. And that's where, you know, coaching comes into play and that's going to be their weakness. So that's why I said with Philadelphia is most likely going to be like a second round or conference final exit. I think 
they might luck into the conference finals if like the Bucks and the Bucks of the world and the and the Miami of the world can kind of cancel each other out. They can kind of make their way to the conference finals, but I don't believe in them enough to make it to the finals until they get a better coach than Doc Rivers. I am I am so over <laughs> Doc Rivers, like, and especially because I feel like as well as Kobe should have won two MVPs, he should have six rings, and he should have got it <laughs> against against Boston and Doc Rivers. Dude, I mean, it, Doc oh, Rivers here is faking a goddamn injury to use a bathroom. <laughs> Doc Rivers has lived off of that one championship. There's, I'm sure you saw it when they they blew that lead to the the Clippers this year. Maybe it was the Clippers. They blew some big lead that that should not have been blown. And the, the reporter asked, like, how much of that was coaching? And Doc is like, would you ask Greg Popovich that question? It's like, Pop has won, like, six titles, all right? You've won one and blown what? leads your entire career. So you are not the same. This is not apples and oranges here, all right? What, Wait, like, what are we really doing here? <laughs> yes. Yes. He said, would you ask Popovich that question? Like, no, because Popovich has earned that okay you have not this is this is like uh um this is like kevin love plus kevin love he's been great and everything but if kevin love has a bad game and people like hey like what went wrong and kevin Love's like would you ask lebron that question well no because lebron's carried all these teams like you did great in that one championship appearance kevin love you're a very good player and stuff but let's not act like you guys are on the same level here okay Sorry, Kevin Love, I just kind of compared you to Doc Rivers, and that's very mean of me. Uh, but, like, come on now. Come on now, Doc Rivers. You ain't Greg Popovich. Get out of like, here. Like, dude, like, I would take every other coach that has one championship over you. I'll take Nick Nurse. I'll take Nick Nurse over you. i take some, some coaches that don't have championships. I'll take Monty Williams before you. I'd take I'd probably take Quinn Snyder because he's been very consistent as far as like defensively and even in the playoffs, the Utah Jazz has overachieved uh, a lot more than underachieved like you have most blown three one leads in history as a coach like I, and you've had all these lineups and I you know I'm one person that last year I was like, we got to keep that same energy with uh, Chris Paul until he made it to the finals and kind of shut me up because I felt like Chris Paul was also a choke artist but didn't get that heat because he's point guard. And I understand that, but we got to keep that same energy. Don't act like Chris Paul didn't have teams that were, like, championship contenders, especially with, like, the Clippers. I think people forget because it was, like, five, six years ago. But that, but that was Doc Rivers' fault. Now I, know, I put I know, all the blame yeah, yeah, on Doc Rivers. <laughs> I put no blame yeah. on Chris Paul. That no. was all Doc's fault. No, we can always blame Doc. Like, come on. Yeah. This is all Doc Rivers' fault. Chris Paul gets no blame for those Clippers squads, okay? If he was coaching the team, they would have been a lot better. I, I absolved Chris Paul of all his wrongdoings. It was all Doc Rivers' fault. He's like, he threw the holy water on Chris Paul. <laughs> like, you're absolved of all the sins of Doc Rivers. You have been reborn and rechristened. But yeah, Doc Rivers is the main thing. That's the main fault of the 76ers. I would love to get on the Sixers bandwagon and believe they can make it to the finals because of how good Embiid has been. I think he's been probably the best big man in in the league and that's saying something when you got Nikola uh Jokic over there looking like an MVP candidate also they're like one two again 
back-to-back years, one, two in the MVP race. So, and I think this year, if they can get into that top four seed, I think it goes to Embiid over Jokic because I feel like he's just been an offensive force leading the league in scoring. So I, I'm hopeful for the Sixers, but yeah, Doc is their main force. So that's why I say they're fourth. As far as like the West, I think that not enough people are making a big deal enough about this uh, KP trade for the Mavs. Like, yes. I want to talk about this. Let's talk about yeah. that. <laughs> so, so there were other trades yesterday. I, I know the the Simmons for uh, Harden deal got a lot of the the headlines, but this Kristaps Porzingis deal. So the the Wizards get Porzingis in a second. The Mavericks get Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. I thought Porzingis had been playing well in Dallas, like especially when Luca was hurt and everything. Yeah. Like Porzingis had been playing very well. Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, I don't think he's bad, but I don't really know what he's adding next to Luca. Bertans, I understand he's a good shooter. He hasn't shot the ball well uh, this season, but I understand that there's a there's a uh, ceiling there where he can shoot the ball well. I but defensively, they ain't helping you helping you there. This just felt like Luca was like, I ain't playing with this dude anymore. I don't care what you get, just get him off my team. And I did not understand this at. All Jason Kidd tried to remedy and be like, you know, we got our one superstar. We'll just be like a team. He, he compared it to the Dallas team that that won the title uh, yeah. with with Dirk, and that's basically, I guess, what they're going for here. I think the West is it's not wide open, but like after the Warriors and and the Suns, like it is, it's there for the taking for for any team that wants to that wants to be there. I think we're, we're just headed for a Warriors Sun showdown in in the conference finals, but. I did not get this deal at all. Uh, I was stunned to see it. I knew the Porzingis stuff in the offseason. Maybe you do something. But based on how he was playing this season, I didn't think this was going to happen, especially not for Dinwiddie and Bertans. I was so confused about this trade because I felt like the Mavs were the dark horse to me because at the beginning of the season, I said Luka would be MVP. And like I said, Jokic and Embiid are one and two, but I say Luka's in that top three, top four kind of MVP because it's just been about the Mavs just consistently playing. Like they've kind of been in between that fourth to sixth seed right now. They're in fifth place. But I thought that the way Jason Kidd was coaching, the way KP was playing, Luka getting healthy and playing on the court, I think they could have got it together and even got into maybe the third seed and leapfrog like the Jazz of the world. But this move just, it didn't make sense as far as the team that you had and that was playing kind of well together and that was getting that chemistry together. This is going to really throw a wrench in there. And then you have no interior defense to replace KP in this trade. You got a point guard who's not really a point guard. He's an undersized two. When you got Luka who... You know, his position is always fluctuated, but he's played, like, mostly guard throughout his career. So he'll go from point guard to two guard. Now he has to play point guard again. So you already know he's going to dominate the ball. But how does then Dimwitty play? Because Dimwitty plays better when he has ball control. So uh, it's it's a very weird trade for them. I, I would say the Wizards won this trade pretty much because, I mean, KP's been playing well. They got rid of that Dimwitty contract, which they gave him a whole bunch of money. And I was like, I mean, he was the sixth man of the year. 
but the burnt sands contract wasn't good either. They yeah. they paid that yeah. man a lot of money just as a, a three point specialist, which I get. But now his three point shooting has kind of really fallen off. It's like, oh man, now you're paying this guy a ton of money to be an average three point shooter and do literally nothing else on the court. Like they got rid of two contracts to get one player who, if if uh, Bradley Beal comes back and he's healthy next season. Give it a try and see what you can do in the Eastern Conference. Like the Eastern Conference, the play-in teams and the bottom, like two, three, uh, like like six, seven, eight seed, they kind of fluctuate and change every other week. So you could kind of get in there next year with a healthy Bradley Beal. Like this is a great trade for the Wizards. I'd say they're one hundred percent the winner here. But you're one hundred percent right. What you said at the beginning, I think, is really what we heard in the offseason after the clip after the Mavs were eliminated that Luca did not want to play with KP and although they were playing well together he just said nope well make it at the trade deadline he was like I'll give you to the trade deadline but I don't care how he's playing get rid of him which is which is fine but the pieces they got back it's just was there nothing else out there for Porzingis because he rehabbed his value pretty well this season, I thought. Like, at the end of last season, there wasn't a lot of value for Porzingis. I thought he rehabbed his value pretty well. And it's like, okay, you get Dinwiddie. Now you're going to take opportunities away from, from Brunson, possibly. And I like Jalen Brunson. I think he's been good for the Mavericks. And then you get Bert's hands. Again, he, he's giving you nothing if he ain't shooting the ball at a very high clip. It's like, was there nothing better out there for Porzingis? Could they have not gotten C.J. McCollum? Like, could, could they know, have not swung that deal? Like, there had to be that, something. That would have been, like, the perfect trade for them. Like, you got an actual a actual two-guard that is is size. He doesn't play that horribly on defense. And he can he can score very well. And he can create shots for Luka. So that's different than Dimwitty. I feel like Dimwitty is most effective when he has the ball. And I feel like that takes away from Luca, and it, like you said, it also takes away from Brunson. So it's a weird fit, but definitely the Davis Portans as the second player. That was just like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like seriously, uh, CJ McCullum was available. I would have taken Norman Powell. I, in fairness, in fairness to the Blazers, like looking at that deal, I know they wanted to dump salary. That's essentially yeah. why they they made all of these deals. So they probably didn't want to take back Porzingis's contract. It still seemed like there was a team out there that look, man, the Thunder, they're they're under the cap floor right now. They're they're living in the basement when it comes to the cap. They would have just taken that Porzingis contract and be like, yeah, throw in a bunch of first round picks. We'll take it. Who cares? And I don't think Porzingis is gonna help them win too many more games, but yeah, it's just it was a weird, weird deal to to deal Porzingis now and for the return they ended up getting. I I'm I'm like really baffled by it honestly. Like you couldn't get Tyler to, um what uh uh oh you couldn't trade with Sacramento. Sacramento's basically yeah. getting off everybody. Oh, you couldn't you couldn't <laughs> trade with Indiana. Like Indiana's just giving away Sabonis out here. Like I mean, look, if I'm Indiana, I'm taking Halliburton over Porzingis 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I'm Sacramento, though, and they're trying to, I don't know what they're doing with, with their roster. They they're took, trying to they took Sabonis. What, they I like Sabonis. I, but no, I'm I not knocking. I would have took KP over over Sabonis. Honestly, I, the way KP was playing this season, True. I I do him the rest of the season and then try to trade him off at the off season if I'm Sacramento. I don't think they're keeping Sabonis long term. 
I don't know. They might. Sabonis is a guy that he's a very good like second player for you. It gives you nothing defensively. But offensively, like you can do a lot with DeMontis Sabonis. And if you think De'Aaron Fox is your number one guy, and clearly they do after trading Halliburton, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I've always been pretty high on De'Aaron Fox. I know this season he's not played well at all, but I've always been high on Fox. Like if you think he can be your number one guy, Sabonis is a good a uh, good guy to have as, as your number two, because you can run a lot of dribble handoff stuff. Sabonis is going to make plays. He's a good shooter, at least for mid range. His three points, not great. Uh, but like, I don't mind that. I, I wouldn't have given away Halliburton if I'm Sacramento, but I don't think Sabonis is a bad return uh, to get. He's a guy you want on your team. Uh, the Pacers, I thought they were going to do a little bit more. Like, I guess nobody wanted the Brogdon contract. That could have been maybe something as Brogdon, for for Porzingis. Um, but yeah. and then you'd have to do some more framework there, probably. Uh, but like I thought they were gonna try to move off the Brogdon contract, they couldn't, but they did trade Sabonis, they did trade Karis Lavert. Uh, you know, they're they're retooling. I really like Halliburton. I think that gives Indiana a higher ceiling moving forward. I mean, this season they're dead in the water, but moving forward, I think Halliburton's gonna be a real player for them. Yeah, that can be like the star they kind of build around, honestly, right now, because he's got a lot of potential. He he's pretty good on defense as well. I think that's one of like the most underrated part of his game. So I think that if he if they build around him, get him some big man to kind of work with, because I think they're gonna still get off uh Miles Turner as well. And I think they're gonna yeah, they're gonna really go into rebuild mode. Them and Portland kind of seem like the two teams and Portland has Dame where they're going to do like a soft rebuild. And I think the Pacers have already started their rebuild. They're going to get off more, but Halliburton is a good starting piece. I really, I really like Halliburton. I'm shocked that, that Sacramento just, I don't think it gave them away. Cause I think I'm higher on Sabonis than a lot of people. I just don't know if I would have traded him at all. Um, but they did. The other kind of big deal is we, we alluded to it was CJ McCollum going to to the Pelicans and ending the Dame and McCollum era, which the highlight of that was Dame waving goodbye to a six seed when they were a three seed. Congratulations, guys. That's your big moment together as a duo is you beat a lower seed. Good job. I I take this as you not being a fan of CJ and Dave. I mean, Charles Charles was trying to convince everybody. He was trying to convince everybody that he was done more. Like he was making his case. He had been on that Portland Trail's Blazers banner for like the past five seasons where he would pick them to win the West and they never would. Like they would be like a one seed close to January and he'd be all hyped and be like, I told you. And then. They would always peter out, but I, I think that they never really committed to kind of building around those guys. Like they tried to get some, like they drafted some guys like Nurkic that was good with them, but they never made deals to kind of build around those two. So like you said, yeah, their biggest highlight is beating the Thunder, who was a sixth seed and they were a third seed. And it's a meme from now into eternity together. So CJ and Dame. It was nice. You were the poor man's Flash Brothers. <laughs> That's really what they were. I mean, I know they made it to the to the Western Conference Finals and and they lost, but like nobody even remembers that they made it to the Western Conference Finals because they didn't capitalize on that the next season. Like they just 
continue to lose. Everyone remembers the the wave goodbye, and they want to look back fondly on, oh man, end of an era, McCollum and and Dame. It's like, cool, you made one Western Conference Finals where you got absolutely destroyed, and your big highlight was beating a lower seed. I don't may I'm probably very biased because of that moment. Uh, but look, Dame waves goodbye to the Westbrook era. We're closer to a title than he is right now. What, what's Portland going to do? What's Dame going to do with cap space? Can cap space shoot the ball? Is cap space going to play defense for them? Like what, what's he doing with cap space? All right. He, I don't think he's doing much with it. Dame's going to be a hundred percent on the usage rate because cap space ain't giving them shit right now. Maybe they maybe they sign somebody, but who wants to go to Portland? I ain't gonna go to Portland. That, that's what I said. Like I was like, why are you getting cap space? Like anyone wants to go to Portland. Like I mean, I liked white water rafting when I went to Oregon, but that was cool for like a weekend. <laughs> it's not someplace I want to live for six months of my life at a time. Like weed's legal over there, right? That is true. Yeah. That is true. But you're in the NBA, so you can't even enjoy that. True. <laughs> They got Anthony Simons. He's like he's good. I do think he he's a good player. Um, I I don't know what I mean. I know what Portland's doing. They're trying to retool. They're hoping that they're going to keep Dame. They're going to see what they can do in the offseason if they can land a free agent with their their cap space or some type of of trade to pair next to Dame. They'll they'll move forward with that. If they can't, I think there is a chance that Dame gets traded in the offseason. Um, if they can't make a a splash with cap space then I don't know if Dame is looking at this roster and being like, yeah, I'm going to come back to this. This, this is what I'm going to spend my my next four or five years, whatever his contract is. This is what I'm going to spend doing. Uh, so, you know, I I like Dame. I think he's a fantastic player. I, I, I don't like that people think that moment of him waving goodbye. Like, I don't think he, sh- he should have a better moment than that. Okay, you should have a better moment than your little wave goodbye to a lower seed. Congratulations! Hey, it was because it was because everybody was doubting them, even as the higher seed. Like, Look, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna pull back the curtain here a little bit. There, there was the. Uh, this was a crazy, crazy, crazy um, final night of the season. Like so many things had to break right for this OKC team to get that six seed and play the Blazers. Because the Blazers were definitely looking like the weakest of the of the top seeds. Like that's who you kind of yeah. wanted. And when everything, because like the Blazers were like benching guys that final game, and like their bench won them the game to get them the third seed. And so like so many things broke right for OKC to get the sixth seed to face the Blazers. And when that happened, I was like, oh, this is good. Like this is the team that we want. We want this Blazers team. We don't want to face one of those top two teams. We want this Blazers team. I was very excited. And then when it happened, the way it happened. I was like, oh, shit. Well, this didn't turn out how I was open to. <laughs> I was confident in y'all, too, because that was at a time uh, where people were starting the whole argument of what has CJ and Dane done together? Like, yeah. they really done nothing together. So I was with y'all. I was like, man, Paul George has been an MVP candidate. Russell Westbrook still averaging a triple-double. I think they can get it together, but. That was that was our best that was our best season, and then George screwed up his shoulder after the All Star break, and was just never the same. Never the same because he was an MVP candidate. I still think he finished third in the voting that year, but he messed up his shoulder after the All Star break, and after that, he just 
it wasn't the same player. He couldn't shoot the ball at all. And then he was still like good defensively and still played hard and stuff, but he lost his shot. And once he lost his shot, it's like, Oh, but you know, Paul George is just kind of, just kind of there. And then of course Westbrook is, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be Russell Westbrook. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that ended the, the thunder era. I look back on it now and I'm like, Oh, they, OKC sold high at a time where moving forward, if the Westbrook, George era continued, it probably just would have been more disappointing first round, maybe second round exits. And instead we got the, the great Chris Paul season, which I'm still mad. We lost that, that game seven to the Rockets. And now we've got the, the Josh Giddy era, which is going to lead to uh, eight of the next nine championships. So I'm excited. <laughs> Josh Giddy is the nine. Lord and savior, man. The and Lord we're not going to win it this year, but starting next year, eight of the next nine. Nah, y'all got to wait till 2023, getting Monty Bates, and then y'all good. Y'all good for like the next 10 years or so. I think y'all will get y'all will get a championship because of how they have constructed all these draft picks. I think y'all got to hit the jackpot one of these next two seasons or we really we really just need like a good big in this draft and i know it's pretty loaded on big so we just need like a good big in this draft because between giddy and shay and, and dort's really playing well and we've got like some nice role players we hit on a big like it's a team that plays hard it's a team that plays well and these guys are going to continue to give especially giddy i'm so excited for this guy like he's he's already one of the best passers in the league his defense is is coming along like his shooting is coming along and i think he's going to be really really good uh so i'm excited for the future we just got to get a big and maybe we can yeah. you know if we get the first pick if we can hit on homegrown if we can if we can get the kid from duke like yeah we, we, we'll be we'll be in good shape but it's it's good. Okay, so he didn't do anything. They traded a second for KZ Akpala, and basically they traded that second to get protections off of a first, uh, which is the main trade. I don't think Akpala is going to be like sticking around long term or anything. We will see when it comes to OKC. Our future looks brighter than the Lakers. Oh that. yeah. One hundred percent. You ain't never lie there. And even if you miss on a big man uh, in the next draft. Y'all can try to just double up, even if y'all if y'all get uh, if y'all not don't have a top five seed or a top five pick, I would trade that and try to load up for twenty twenty three. Because if you really want a big man, go for Wembenyana. I think uh, Victor Wembenyana is better than even all the big men. I think the the kid from Duke is really good, but I think he's better. I think Wembenyana is better than all these big men. I can't say that I know enough about any of the the draft stuff. I start paying attention when it actually is the draft and I see like, okay, where does, where's OKC picking? And then I can get my hopes of like, okay, this is the guy that I want until then. I'm not even thinking like, oh yeah, we have our targets on this guy. Cause look, I didn't have, when I was looking at the draft stuff last year, I, I know Scotty Barnes, people were hoping like he would fall uh, to them. Uh, the, the One of the Jalen's people were hoping that they would fall. Cause OKC had the six pick. And then once those were kind of out, like Kuminga was a big name that was kind of kind of linked to OKC. I didn't have Josh Giddy. I didn't read too much about him. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but sure, let's go with it. And then I read some more about him. I was like, oh, this seems like a very OKC pick. Uh, and I wasn't like super, super excited. But then I've seen the kid play. I'm like, OK, this, this, is, this is the second coming of Magic Johnson. So let's go. 
Wow! <laughs> yeah! The second coming of Magic Johnson. The second Johnson. coming of Magic Johnson. Oh my God. He said, Giddy Magic. He wants that yes. Giddy Magic. In I, 40 years, in 40 years, Josh Giddy's going to be on Twitter tweeting about uh, LeBron James Jr. Jr. Being like, LeBron James Jr. Jr. had had a triple double to lead the OKC Thunder to a great victory. You know, hashtag Thunder Up. That's going to be Josh Giddy in 40 years. There you go. The Thunder, the Thunder great. The men that led the Thunder to their first championship. And he's talking about LeBron James III, LB3. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, I've been impressed with him. And like I said, it's how y'all have those draft picks. Y'all going to hit the next couple of years. And even if y'all don't hit the next two drafts, so you got 2024 with Bronny James and Mikey Williams. So y'all can y'all can get something out of the next couple of seasons. And we're gonna we're gonna get Bronny James. LeBron's gonna sign the minimum to come off the bench. And so we could save some cap space as well. You LeBron's you know go. you know all these teams are thinking that they like they like, yo, let's hit on this Bronny James draft. Because <laughs> not only do we get Bronny, LeBron will find a way to get here as well. Yes. Exactly. He's just signed for the minimum too. He's like, what? A, he's made enough money. He'll be making Space Jam three by that point and cashing in on a, a even more money that like nobody will. It'll be panned critically, but LeBron don't care. He'll be swimming in his money like he's Scrooge McDuck. Shit about what it what it says critically. Yeah, this man's got plenty of money. He doesn't need he doesn't need that forty million a year from the NBA. He's making hundreds of millions everywhere else. Man, he got deals and shows <laughs> everywhere, man. LeBron is 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 definitely a mogul indeed, and probably one of the better ones in all time in NBA history. So I do I do hear what you're saying. Uh, let's let's real quickly let's do the do the Super Bowl. We got the Bengals and the Rams. I, I we both picked the Chiefs and the Rams uh, last week. Is that yes, yes, yeah. we did. Uh, what can you do? Good games. One out of, one out of two. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Look, man, you shoot fifty percent from three. That's really good. So you hit fifty percent in baseball. You're you're easily in the Hall of Fame. So, exactly. And yeah. you make fifty percent on your shot on the floor. Like, man, you good. <laughs> you good. So, um, I mean, I, I think the bang. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have faith in the Bengals this week because I feel like they're the hotter team out of these two. So Joe Burrow, he's been amazing like i think people are going to want to play with him the next couple of years the way they talk about like the patrick mahomes of the world so i think that the Bengals kind of have the advantage here so i'm going to go with them although i'm going against my la uh my la loyalty here so i'm i'm going with the Bengals, and i think people when it comes to the rams they're going to look at the defensive line and offensive line matchup because uh cincinnati gave up like 100 sacks to tennessee they, the, the line was better against the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs don't have Aaron Donald and, and Vaughn Miller kind of chasing you down. I do think that the Bengals will game plan well to, to get – Burrow will try to get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker. I like the Bengals 24-14. to 14. I know L.A. just feels like – they feel like such an NFL super team that is almost destined to get this far and fail. And I realize that has nothing to do with X's and O's. But that's sort of what it feels like to me. It's like, oh, we got we traded for Stafford. We got we got Beckham. Uh, we 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 got Donald. We got Von Miller. Um, and then the the, the corner whose name I, I'm forgetting right now. But like they they have all of these stars, 
out in LA. And it just feels like Joe Burrow in his second season with all his swag, he didn't give a shit about any of this. He's just going to come in there and he's going to just tear them a, a new asshole. And that's what I think Joe Burrow is going to do. 24-14 Cincinnati Bengals. That is my official prediction. I'll go, hmm, you said 24-14. I'll go, I think it's going to be closer than that. I'll go 27-20. Okay. Cooper Cup uh, offensively for the, for the Rams as well. He's tremendous. But I love uh, Burrow, Higgins, and and Jamar Chase. I, I think Jamar Chase, he's going to be, he might be the best receiver in the league as early as next season. He might be it now, but he he's Jalen Ramsey. Thanks. You thank you, money Mark completely forgot. And like, I know they're hoping that Ramsey can, can shut down chase. You get Donald and Miller getting after the quarterback and like, you're good. And that's going to be their game plan defensively. I'm not totally sold on Stafford winning these games. Um, And maybe that's just me remembering too much of him and the lions. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Like that's probably a big part of it, honestly. I don't know. Like I'm a big believer in just like, just like destiny and gut feeling stuff. And, and my gut feeling is the the Bengals winning this game. So that's why I'm going with them. It's probably all against what the X's and O's and what the experts are saying. But the experts probably didn't have the Bengals in this position anyway. And and this is a good example for uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. You see what a coaching change does. You see when you, you see when you get a coach that you just know what they're going to offer. You get them up out of there. You bring someone new. Uh, that's why I think a lot of people are rooting for the Bengals because they kind of been the underdogs this entire playoffs. Came in without like a playoff win in so long, and now they've made it to the Super Bowl. So I think that's why I'm also rooting for them because they're the sentimental thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, and I know it'll make a, a lot of the, the pals happy if the, yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals can, can get the, va- I'm never going to hear the end of it from Sean Ross Sapp. If the Bengals I'm never, end up winning. I'm never going to hear the end of it from Rick Uttino. So yeah. <laughs> we're both, we're both going to be in hell with those two. That's all they're going to talk about. Never mind. I don't want the Bengals to win. <laughs> LA Rams. Yeah. Let's go Rams. <laughs> Fuck Sean and Rick. Get him out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I do want the I, I I I do think the Bengals are going to win. I do want my friends to be happy. If they don't, I'm not going to troll them. I I might troll Sean a little bit because he was a dick after the Blazers Thunder series, and like I got to get some payback. But I know what it's like to see my team get to the Super Bowl and win. And we were the favorites. We were the favorites in Super Bowl Fifty. I know what it's like for that to happen. I don't wish that pain on any of my friends. I always want like I don't want my friends to like have to suffer. When it comes to that stuff, I yeah. I understand. <laughs> the EP is telling me I got to be nice to Sean if they lose. Um, I don't want to be nice to Sean if they lose. He was mean to me with Blazers and Thunder, but and, and that was a first round loss. The devastation of watching your team lose the Super Bowl is is traumatizing. So I do not want that for my friends. Trust me, I know. Uh, like I have no team affiliation. I'm a player type of guy in the NFL. My favorite player of all time is Peyton Manning. So I've seen the the oh, the, you, the joy the joy of seeing him win his first championship <laughs> against the Bears. I've also suffered through the pain of that interception against New Orleans Saints, and then the eat the oh my god! I was in a public bar eating wings when we when the Broncos versus the Seahawks. I will never oh. get over that memory, oh, ladies man. and gentlemen. Where where the Broncos had. Like eating your wings, and then that game starts, and it's just all downhill. 
Oh man, that was suffering. I I love Peyton Manning. Like he's he's one of my favorite players of all time. So like I it sucked that we had to play him in the Super Bowl because uh, for the most part, like I was typically going to root for Manning. Obviously, they're playing the Panthers. I was not going to do it. I can bless you for being out in a, a bar with all that stuff. I can't watch these games with anybody else around me when my teams are involved. I got drugged to a Super Bowl party for the Panthers game, and I was like adamant. I do not want to go to this. Like, I do not want to go. If we win, great. I'll be happy. I'll be the happiest person there. But, like, you go to these Super Bowl parties, and it's a bunch of casual fans, and they know you're the big, like, fan because you're wearing your jersey and stuff. So they're asking you a ton of questions. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to focus on this game and control my emotions. I do not need you asking me how many downs they have to get a first down, okay? I don't need you asking me this shit. Just let me watch the game. I I cannot watch any of this. Uh, I've told the EV, like, if, if my team's ever in the Super Bowl, if the abs, the abs are very good this season, and we don't have a lot of hockey friends, but, like, I just got to watch these games alone. I, like, I cannot be with anybody else. People have seen me on the uh, the the watch-along. We did a watch-along of abs-blues. Abs are, abs are up, mind you, first-round series. They're up 3-1 to one in the series. So it's game four, and the blues score first. And so it's just a one nothing game in the first period. It's honestly, there's a lot of hockey left to play. It's 3 nothing. It's in the series. It's first round. I just went off on Joel Pearl and Rob Wilkins. Like, I was so agitated at them. I was screaming and yelling at them. Like, I cannot watch these games around other people. I just can't do it. doesn't matter the situation. I just cannot do it. So, yeah, if my team, if the Panthers are ever back in the Super Bowl, don't invite me to your damn Super Bowl party. All right? I ain't coming. Just let me be at home at peace and let me punch something around here. If something goes wrong. Yeah. I stopped doing that with the Lakers. Like it, it was back when I was in high school when we lost to the Pistons. Oh, oh. man. I was, <laughs> I was hanging out with people in the NBA finals and stuff and going, meeting up with my friends and then watch the game. And they clown me when we lost that series. And I said, never again, never again. When the Lakers are in the NBA finals, am I going to watch with a group of people ever? No, I, I can't, I can't do it. Just cannot do it, man. I get way too, way too agitated, way too wound up when it comes to that stuff. I'm, I'm like trying to get better. I know, I because you kind of like know how you get, so you know how you can like kind of control it and stuff. But if it's a big game, like you, like finals, Super Bowl type stuff, it's so hard to control that stuff, especially if you're around people who just they don't understand it on that level you know they they want to ask dumb questions or if they're not they're not built the way you're built and they're just like oh whatever it's just a game that it's just a game type people it's not a game motherfucker that was a terrible bark it's not a game (laughs) you think this is a fucking game no it's not no (laughs) wu-tang I thought I thought the diamond. Wu Tang. I thought the diamond. Oh my god! I need someone to clip this. (laughs) (laughs) Bark was terrible. My bark was god awful. I'm battling a sore throat. All right, I'm battling a sore throat. That's my excuse. That was the greatest bark in YouTube history. Wu-Tang. <laughs> Wu-Tang. I, I said Wu-Tang and I threw up the damn diamond. Jesus. Oh, man. Don't it's, the rock. The rock the, is in the building the, as well. It's the rock clan. Yeah, the rock clan. 
Regardless, it's not a fucking game, okay? It's, it's not. not. It's not. It's not. We take this sports thing very seriously. Yes. You don't see it all the time because we usually talk about that other that other business. But this is the sports we take very seriously. <laughs> um, I don't, you got to go and, and do Degrassi dudes. I'm going to make yes. you late and make Jensen, Jensen mad at me. No. Uh, yeah, that but... bark was worth it. <laughs> 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 um, South Park. We mentioned it last week with Alex McCarthy. I didn't realize the new season had started. I'm caught up though. I watched last week. I watched this week. I thought last week was good. You're right that like the pajama time, like once it hits you, that it's about like mask and stuff. It's it's tremendous. I thought this week was like some next level, next level stuff. <laughs> this week was so damn good. So it, it, good. It's like the payoff of like multiple seasons. Yes. Token has been here for <laughs> such a long time and he's just been one of the members of the team and you just, you, you kind of just, it, the joke was obvious and then to turn the joke around <laughs> on the viewer and be like, of course, of course, everyone's just every everyone that Stan talks to, he thinks that like exactly like us, Token is called the Token because he's the only black kid, he's the only black kid in the class, he's the only black kid in the group, it's he's the only one. So of course, Token it just makes sense. And then to hear he's named after J.R. Token, <laughs> and even Cartman, Cartman who has been the number one person who has always made fun of the fact that Token is the only black kid. He's like, yeah, I just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> it's great when Stan is just like, well, you spelled it without an L. And then the joke is just like, Carmen's just a dumbass. Like, oh, there's an L in Tolkien? Like, I didn't know. Like, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Carmen would just be a dumbass about that. Oh, uh, when he's at the doctor's office and they break the fourth wall and the doctor yes. is like yelling at the viewer, like, why would you think this? Like, did anybody else think this? Are you dumbass thinking this? Like, you can't believe you would actually think that we would do this. Just the retconning of, of Tolkien being Tolkien is so... I love it's so deadpan when they're sitting at the dinner table. It's like, well, why did you name him that? He's like, what do you mean? Like, he's named after J.R. Tolkien. Like, why wouldn't we know? We're big fans of that. They, we didn't want to do J.R.R., so that's what we did. And Stan and Randy are just like, wait a second. <laughs> and then the whole thing where Randy wants to use uh, Tolkien's dad to essentially, uh, you know, boost black culture and, and capitalize off of black culture and everything. And then uh, Tolkien's dad turns it around to open his own credit, credit, <laughs> credity, uh, weed is like, no, I'm like, this is my culture. Like, I'm going to use this. And, and he used the bass in his voice. He's like, yeah, he did. <laughs> like, he's never <laughs> talked like that. He's <laughs> like, this is that good stuff right here. <laughs> Integrity. I love the billboard by Randy. Integrity Farms. Legit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was so great. It was like he's like tucking the money in his pocket. Like it was just layers to this episode that just made it all funny. But yeah, the, the token payoff, like you said, the doctor's office when they broke the fourth wall, it reminded me of Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back when they kept looking like who would go to this movie, and then yeah. they would look at the, at, at the viewer like that was just great. That was the like my favorite part where I was just like. I lost it. And then, oh, no, the best part for me was actually Stan reading all of J.R. Tolkien's yeah. books in the black box. In the black voice, yes. It's like you need it's to so, go home and read it. It's, <laughs> it's so good because, look, white people suck. And yeah. so we were 
we all love black culture and all the white people are trying to capitalize off of it and everything. So when Stan is like reading in the black person's voice and then he sends Tolkien out of the room to like have this talk with all the white classmates, but he doesn't realize like you're still disincluding the white or the black person here. Like you idiot. And this is what white people do. This is why we're horrible. Because this is legit how, how we act. It's terrible. Oh man, dude. yeah, it's that... so on the nose. But the way they the way they do it and, and spin it into comedy is just tremendous. If tremendous. this is the theme of the season, just like just going across and just really driving home these jokes, like for one full episode, I, I'm with it. It's so it feels, far, it's been good. It feels like it's continuing too because yeah. th- that ending did not give me the ending of like any type of closure. It seems like Craigity and, and you know Tigerty are going to be battling and stuff like it seems like they're gonna i haven't always liked the serial seasons with south park but if they can do they're good at like short arcs uh yes. like imagination land is, is just like the the three episodes there just tremendous yeah. tremendous stuff like they are very good at like, like little short arcs and if they do like a three four episodes on this i i think it could be uh, a huge hit this has been one of my favorite south park episodes in, in a while like as far as far as these recent seasons which i think it's fallen off a little bit with this one Dude, black puppy, white puppy. It's just... <laughs> he was like, "You're getting sued for uh, sampling ebony and ivory." He was like, "No, it's white puppy, black puppy." Like, he was like, "It's in the same melody." <laughs> and like, I never um, heard of this song. <laughs> just tremendous. My favorite arc for them is actually the the coon, coon and friends. I think yes. that's just yeah. like I can watch that episode whenever, and that just makes me laugh. Like just hearing the explanation from Cartman of why he's <laughs> called the Coon is just one of the best character moments for him. And then the whole arc with Kenny, how they paid off Kenny's whole character with that with that whole superhero arc. That was great. Yes, they yeah, they are very good at these little short arcs. I don't love the full season stuff, but these like two three episode arcs. They're tremendous at that stuff. So I look forward to, to next next week and seeing if it does continue. If it doesn't, I'm fine. I don't know if the, the payoff was was great. The payoff just might be like white people suck and that's a fine payoff. <laughs> like it's true. Um so if that's a payoff, I get it. But I, I do think they're and I mean, if you've watched enough South Park, you know that Randy has always had the the racist kind of tendencies in the yeah. first place. The 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 infamous uh, Nagger episode. Like, it was like, are you serious? Are you serious? It's okay. It's okay. He was like, you got ten seconds. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! It's just, no, actually, it's Nagger. stop. <laughs> <laughs> That is that is true. That is, you could replay that over and over again. <laughs> that's that's a that's a classic classic episode. But I thought uh, Wednesday's episode was just was 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 so fucking good, just so good. I I need to just all, immediately rewatch it now. So if you haven't been watching the new South Park season, I thought uh, the premiere was good. I thought I thought it was very good. But last night or Wednesday nights was was honestly a classic one. That was a classic one for me. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Dynamite beat that in the ratings. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. Uh, oh wait, you get muted. You mentioned Dynamite, so we've muted SV3. Uh, no, no wrestling talk on this. You get muted if you talk about wrestling on here. All right, you're unmuted. Um, SV3. Let the people know where they can find you. 
Uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine here, True Hill SP3, and you can find me here on Fightful Overbooked in about like five minutes. Degrassi dudes, we starting. We're gonna probably talk some more about South Park to start, and then we're gonna rank the characters of Degrassi. There you go, SP3, and he's got True Hill Rewind. That's Sundays on Fightful Overbooked as well. I said you do more shows on on this this channel than I do. I said it yesterday. I don't know what's going on on my own channel. Sean's like, here, here you go, do what you want with it. And then I was just like, all right, cool. Let me just get a bunch of people that I like to, to do shows. And now Joel Pearl just does whatever he wants and just acquires a bunch of different properties. Like, what are we doing, Joel Pearl? This is an awesome channel. Like, you got a dynamite <laughs> review with, with Will, with different people coming on, new people you could meet. You got True Rewind going back to the Monday Night Wars. You got Joel and, and Tim's podcast. Like, this is like a melting pot of everything. It's like ESPN2 meets MTV. <laughs> we've got we've got demo divas uh joel's doing stuff stuff with different people jpj plugo um uh josh kate a bunch of different people yes i do like the the talents we've kind of put out here and uh our roster is uh it's fun you got the grassy dudes with you and jensen obviously i do the spotlight for jensen every thursday we're trying to secure a big guest for for next week or the coming weeks yes uh i'll i'll, I'll fill you in off air uh, who are trying to get but everyone stick around here on fightful overbooked we've got the grassy dudes coming up next with sb3 and jensen later on we have um we have uh coexisting with, with rob and maggie i think they're live today again i don't know my own schedule but i think they're live today on the show uh so everyone can stick around here degrassi dudes in like three minutes everyone follow sb3 sb3 appreciate it. we'll be back probably not next week uh, we'll probably get back to the, the bi-weekly format. Honestly, I love the show so much, though. We might just end up start doing it weekly. Yeah, I have, I have fun. <laughs> and I, I, Jeremy is, like, a very good friend. And especially last week, he told me he's an entourage fan. So we're just friends. We we got to start talking about that. I got to start, like, <laughs> binge-watching that. And we got to throw in some some entourage uh, stuff. Because I it's been a while. I only watched it just first run stuff. But I, I, I got to start binge-watching that. And I want to watch Power. But now there's a new Love is Blind that... I just start watching that just hit oh, Netflix. Okay. Oh yeah, it's terrible reality, trashy like five love television. It's so terrible. But and Joe Millionaire, been watching that with the EP. Like it's just terrible, terrible stuff. Uh, so, uh, but I do want to watch Power and I do want to watch Entourage. It's just a matter of finding time for all this stuff, guys. We appreciate you joining us. Stick around for Degrassi dudes. We'll talk to y'all next week.